Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right, let's get into this. We are finishing up the series Wired for Worship and in what I'm calling today Declarations of Praise, part two. We started it last week, and I'm, I'm going to finish it up today. I'm going to speak a blessing over you at the end. Today's going to be a day of encouragement and strength to you. I'm just going to uh, um, teach you the Word of God, but it's going to be encouraging. Um, and I want to start by just right off the bat, again, just like last week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out swinging, everybody. Write down number one. So important that you understand this. God doesn't exist for me. I exist for him. God doesn't exist for me, but I exist for him. And the verse that we used last week, in fact, lots of verses in the Bible, but what we started out last week was Isaiah 43, 7. It says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Meaning God is saying this, I have made humanity and I've made you for my glory. We said that word glory is the word kabod, and it means not just glory and honor, but also means heaviness or weightiness, uh, meaning that you were not meant to contain worship. You were meant to release it. Worship is meant to be released, not carried, not contained. It's meant to be released. And you are wired for worship. And if you don't worship the one true God, you'll end up worshiping something else or someone else. That's just the way it works. Every single person throughout the entirety of the world is a worshiper of something or someone. Even the person who says, no, I don't worship a thing, what they worship is their ability to choose not to worship. You see how that works? You were wired for worship. I promise you that. You were wired for worship. And I want to remind you of the second thing. Number two, that worship is my response to the absolutely amazing grace of God. It's my response to God's grace. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture, that really a, a phenomenal portion of Scripture that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, so we praise God. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So, so let, let me say it this way that God poured out grace upon our lives. Therefore, we should pour out praise to God. He poured out his grace. We should be pouring out our praise. But a lot of people think, well, uh, uh, well that God exists for me, and that's not the truth. You actually exist for God. So I was, I was thinking about it. Like, the best way that I can describe what I'm talking about here has if for all of you know who have children or grandchildren, you know, uh, you, you raise them and you start teaching them about having manners. You want them to have good manners, right? Like, I, I want you to say please, and I want you to th say thank you, and I want you to ask nicely. And, and so, you know, we, we, our, our kids come to us, our grandkids come to us, and, hey, can I have, well, what do you say? That's the question we always ask. Well, what do you say? What do you say? Please. Okay, now you can have it. And then, and then they get something. Okay, what do you say? Thank you. Okay, oh, what a good boy. What a good girl. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And then all of a sudden, it's a progression. So you teach them manners. You teach them to say please and thank you. And what do you say? Please. And then all of a sudden, 
They, they say, um, Dad, can I have such and such, please? And you say, no. And they look at you like you're crazy because they're thinking this. As a child, they're thinking this. But I said, please. Right? Have you ever seen that before? But I said, please. Like, you told me if I said please that you would give me what I want. So now I'm saying please, but you're not doing it? That doesn't make sense. And a lot of, what I'm saying is a lot of children think that their parents just only exist to provide them for when they're in need or in their, when they're in want. Like, you're, you're my mom. You're my dad. You're supposed to just naturally give me whatever I want. And that's how a lot of Christians approach God. That whenever they want something, whatever they need something, they, that's when they go to God and say, please, please, like, God, don't you exist for, for me? And I want you to know that that's not in the Bible, that you actually exist for God to bring him glory. Now, he is with us when we call out to him for help, when we say, Father, please, he hears us. How many know he hears us when we call out for him? But, but it, we live in a culture right now, we live in a society right now that's very narcissistic, very egotistical and self-centered in nature, that we don't really want anything to do with God until we're in need of something, and then all of a sudden we go to God. It, it's what I call them 911 prayers, right? Like an emergency happens, and you haven't talked to God in months, but emergency happens, it's all of a sudden, but please... Like, God, don't you exist for me? And here's the truth of the matter, everybody, that we are made for the glory of God. We actually, I exist for him. I exist for him to bring him glory. And he loves me so much that he poured grace out of my life. And it's actually meaning that word pour, it means to to bestow freely is the Greek word for it, to bestow freely, meaning it's so much grace that it's splashing out of you. It's, it's splashing everywhere. It's, it's an abundance of grace, so much so that you cannot contain it. It's been poured out to you. And the very least we could do, having been a recipient of grace, is to pour out our praise so much so that we cannot contain it. So much so, let, let me say it this way, new song, so much so that it just splashes everywhere. Well, praise God, that, that you live your life with a praise God mentality. And I've, I've told you this before, the person that I, I, I realized that who lives this out the most, and he would never want me to bring up his name, but, but I'm going to anyway, because uh, he, he's not here today. And his name is Paul Spasik. And he was on our staff for a long time as, as a pastoral counselor. He retired now. And he wrote a book, Selah, that, that, we, that is a great devotional. It's a daily devotional. You should pick that up or order it if we don't have it in the bookstore and use it for your devotional for next year. It's a great one. Well, Paul, any time that, any, any that you would say anything positive, any time you would compliment him and say, oh, glory to God. Oh, I'll praise to God. Like praise just, it just leaked out of him. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he can't contain it. It just splashed everywhere. And, and if you said, if you would say something, hey, Paul, I need you to, I need to pray. Could, could we just pray together? And he said, oh, praise God, I would love to. Like, I would, I, just praise God. Thank you for asking. Like, he just, praise just poured out of him. And I would think, every time I hung around Paul, which was a lot, I think, I want to be like that. I want to, have you ever met a person of praise and you just thought, I just want to be like that. 
I want to praise God like that. I, I want to worship God unashamedly. Have you ever been around somebody that just lived their lives for the glory of God, and there's something in you that looks at them and says, that's how you're supposed to live life? See, everybody, God poured out his grace upon our lives. The very least we could do is pour out our praise to him. And, and I know that some days are easier to do that than others. There's some days it's easier to praise God when things are going really well. It's easier to praise God but when things are not going so well. It's more difficult. And yet, can I tell you something I've told you before in the past, and this is something that I've been saying for literally for decades, that if Jesus doesn't do one more thing for me, the very fact that I have been saved by grace through faith and that my eternity is secure, that I know I get to be with my Savior for all of eternity, worshiping my heavenly Father with all of the saints. If he does nothing else, God is worthy of my praise. If he does nothing else, I'm going to praise him anyway because he saved my soul. He saved my eternity. And he's worthy. I'm going to pour out my praise to him. I'm going to offer it. Whether I feel like it or not, He's worthy of it, and I'm just going to give it to him. And yet, the beautiful thing about it is this. Number three, write this down, that worship helps me experience his presence. It helps me experience the presence of God in moments that I desperately need him, desperately desire him and want him. Have you ever had a season in your life where you just didn't feel anything? Have you ever had a season in your life in which you were worshiping the Lord maybe and it was like so joyful and so, oh, God is here and this is beautiful and this is wonderful and this is so encouraging. Oh, did you feel that? Did you sense the presence of God? You're, oh, that was so good. And then other times you feel nothing. You, you just feel nothing. That it's a dry season. It's been compared to, to by a lot of people as being just a dry season. It's when the psalmist says, David says, listen, I, I'm just thirsty in a very dry and weary land. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. I feel nothing. I'm just thirsty. I'm dry. And I've, I've been through seasons like that. And yet, this is the truth about the Bible. This is the truth about the Word of God. And this is the truth about the character of God. The Bible says it this way, that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Ever. Ne never, ever. Let me say it another way. That God's presence is always with me. That's what the Bible says. His presence is always with me. And yet, there are times that I feel nothing. There are times where it just feels dry. There are times at, at, on the other, the other side of the spectrum, there are times where I feel just flooded with the presence of God and and I, whoa, God, you're so amazing. God, you're, you're right here. And, and you sense it and you know it. And yet, those times where you say, but where's God? I don't feel God. The Bible is, you need to know theologically, he never leaves you, never forsakes you. He is there. And yet, if God is always there, and he is, how come it says this in James 4, 8, come close to God? And he'll come close to you. When you draw close to God, God draws close to you. If God never leaves us or forsakes us, then how do we put that verse in perspective? And that's why I gave you point number three, that when, 
When we worship him, worship helps me experience his presence. In fact, let me say this. God communicates his presence when I'm worshiping him. He communicates his presence as I praise him. He's always with me. But when I draw near to him, when I pursue him, he shows up in a way that maybe I wasn't feeling before, but all of a sudden something comes alive and says, Ooh, God is here. God is here. He's always here. And yet when we draw close to him, he has this way of showing up at a level where you sense him, you feel him. And you're like, ooh, God, you're here. Thank you. Thank you for that. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and it's, just this, it's just this theological truth. He's always with us. And yet when we draw near to him, he draws near to us, meaning he communicates his presence when we pursue him, when we pursue him in worship, when we pursue him in praise. It com he communicates his presence to us. I, I want to show you a verse of scripture that, that I, I used to, back in the day, I used to, um, when I was a worship pastor, I used to travel and speak at, at conferences and seminars and and, and I love this portion of Scripture, and it's a portion of Scripture that probably a lot of people, in fact, if you've read your, through your Bible, you've, you've read this before, but a lot of people just don't know that this portion exists, and it's so beautiful, so wonderful. It's in 2 Kings chapter 3, and I could tell you the entire story, but if you want to know the truth, it's kind of faster if we just read these 11 verses, because I can turn, I can turn like three minutes of reading into 30 minutes of, te of teaching if, if I don't watch out, all right? So 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. But after Ahab's death, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Joram promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. And on the way, he sent this message to, to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now, let's stop right there for a second. That, that at this point in, in Israel's history, there are two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There's the kingdom of Israel and then the kingdom of Judah with two separate kings. One, one nation, but, but they have been separated at, at this point. One people group, but have been separated into two kingdoms. Okay, so on the way, verse 7, let's read that again. On the way, he sent this message to the king Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you join me in battle against him? And Jehoshaphat replied, why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops. And my horses are your horses. Let's just take a break for a second right there. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's so powerful and something that you love, that you love. Have you ever had a friend who says, I don't care where you at. I don't care what you're going through. If you're in need, I'll be there for you. You can be stuck in a ditch at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm just a phone call away, and it's not a bother to me because what I have is yours. And I'm going to bail you out. How many have a friend like that that they just, you just know they got your back? Can I tell you, you also need to be a friend like that. To somebody else. There's some people that I can call right now that the moment I just said, I need you right now, I guarantee you they would immediately get in their car and come, and come to my rescue. I, I just have friends like that. And you need to have friends like that and you need to be a friend like that. Those are wonderful. Those, are, those friends are gifts from God for us. Then Jehoshaphat, verse 8, then Jehoshaphat asked, what? I, I had this quiz in the first service. In, in, the, in the South, we say route. But in the north, a lot of people say root. Do you guys say route or root? 
First service said route. How many people say route? Okay, that's what we're going to use right here. All right, all right. So he asked this, this question, what route will we take? We will attack from the wilderness of Edom, Jor Joram replied. The king of Edom and his troops joined them. And now all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. But there was no water for the men or their animals. And that's a long time with thousands and thousands of people not to have any water, not, not to have the resources that you need. Because even if you went into battle, you would be so weakened from the lack of water that you wouldn't be effective. And the king of Israel cried out, what should we do? Verse, verse 10, what should we do? The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. And one of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, Son of Shaphat is here. He used to be Elijah's, who's another prophet. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. So let's stop right there. So we have something interesting happening in that there's, there's three kings now with three armies that are all marching against one army, and they're going to try to defeat the enemy. Two of these kings have no, have no relationship with God. They're, in fact, very, very evil, evil kings. But Jehoshaphat, was a follower of God, loved God, and he, by the way, is the king of Judah. And Jehoshaphat, everybody else is looking at one another saying, what should we do? 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 And, and Jehoshaphat, this follower of God, jumps in. He says, wait, 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 guys. We're asking one another. That should not be the case. We should be asking our heavenly father. We're asking each other. That should not be the case, by the way, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Judah in Hebrew means praise. So Jehoshaphat oftentimes is referred to as the king of praise. And he's saying to them, we have to go to God first. Can I tell you something? A lot of times when you hit, when you hit an area of your life where there is no water, where there's no hope, where you're in a trial, and a lot of times you start looking at people, well, I need help, and I need help, and I need help. Can you help? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help? And the Bible makes it so very, very clear that we, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these things will be added unto us, the Bible says. So I'm going to teach you an important lesson in life that I've taught you before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it. You need to live your life with a pray first mentality. When you have a great day, pray first. When you have a bad day, pray first. When, when you're when you got some bills to pay and you don't know how to pay them, you need to pray first. At, 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 as you wake up in the morning, pray first. When you eat breakfast, pray first. When you go to work, you pray first. When you have lunch, you pray first. Before you go to that meeting, you pray first. Before you have that conversation, you pray first. Before your kids get home from school, you need to pray first. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you eat dinner, pray first. When you spend family time together, pray first. When you go to bed at night, pray first. You just live your life praying first. And when you come up to a trouble spot in the road, instead of looking at everybody else and looking at people to bail you out, you need to pray first. You need to go to God first, everybody. That's how you live life. That's, that's why the Bible says we pray continually. We've been called to pray continually. We just, I just pray all day long. 
I, I pray all day long. You say, Pastor Justin, how much do you pray? I don't know. I start out with a significant time of prayer, just me and the Lord. And, and that, it varies time every, every day, but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a prayer time, just me and God. But then all day long, I'm just praying all day long. I'm just praying first before I make a phone call. Lord, help me. I need some wisdom right now. Before I reply to an email, Lord, help me to share some wisdom with, with this person. Help me to share some encouragement with this person. Lord, give me some words to say. I just want to live my life praying first. Praying first. Just pray, praying continually. And so Jehoshaphat has this thought. Why are we looking at each other instead of looking towards God? So we need somebody, because at this point in history, in this dispensation, we, we would call it, in this dispensation, God spoke to people through prophets. So Jehoshaphat is saying, hey, I want to hear God's voice, and I know that right now God uses prophets to, to speak to his people, so we need to find a prophet. And there happened to be Elisha, who's a prophet, and remember, he's the one who wanted a double portion of Elijah's anointing, the person that he studied, studied under. And here we have it in verse 12. Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him or through Elisha. So the king of Israel, the king of uh, King Jehoshaphat of Judah and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. Verse 13, why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel, go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. Now, he's mouthing off, isn't he? He, he goes, see, see these, two, these, these three kings come to him, and two of them are not followers of God, and Elisha shows no fear. Why are you coming to me? You should be going to your pagan gods. Why are you coming to me? And he's calling them on the carpet. How many of you know prophets have the tendency to do that? They just have the tendency to do that. He said, why are you coming to me? But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. I only respect the one who follows the Lord God Almighty. Can I tell you something? At this moment, Elisha is shook up because several things are happening. He has just allowed not only kings into his home, but two of which are not God followers. And it's riled him up. And by the way, it would rile you up too if a king showed up at your doorstep. Because in, these, in, these, in this era of time, even in fact today, kings never went down to anybody. Everybody was called up to them. Kings would always be seated higher than everybody else. Their, 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 um, their palace would always be at the pinnacle that everybody who wanted to see the king had to go up. But now these, threes, three, these three kings actually went down to Elisha, comes into his house, says, we need your help. And he's looking at him saying, I don't like you, but I like him. What, what would it be? What would you feel like? How riled up would you be? What would you say if President Biden showed up? You better not say this out loud, all right? Don't say this out loud. <laughs> we don't know what to know. If President Biden showed up on your doorstep, you'd be riled up, wouldn't you? 
Well, he didn't just have one president. He had three kings just show up. And he was angry. And yet he, he, was, he was relieved that at least King Jehoshaphat was there. And his emotions, he was overcome with emotions. And this is how we know. Verse 15, he says this. This is Elisha. He says, now bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. So in this moment, he is riled up. Things, things, his day has been wrecked. And somebody's expecting that he's going to hear from God. And he's saying, I want to. I want to hear from God. I'm going to need, uh, I, I'm going to need a musician. I need you to bring me someone who plays the harp. Why? Because God uses music as an instrument or as a way to control your emotions and to open your ears so that you would hear his voice. Bring me a harpist. And a harpist came and started playing. And Elisha did this. <sighs> Why? Because God is such an awesome creator that he gave us a gift of music that would not only allow us to praise him more and better, but to allow us to be still and to hear his voice. In fact, at the end of every service here at New Song, listen to this, and you're going to experience it today. In just a few minutes, somebody's going to be coming out and they're going to be playing the keyboard very softly. It's how we end every service. Why? Because ears open up when the environment is set for people to hear the Lord. Think about this. How awesome God is. On, on, a, on a scale, if, if I were to go play a scale on the, on the keyboard today, I, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and then you're back to C. It's an, called an octave. And then in between that, you have some, some, depending on what key you're in, we would call them flats or we would call them sharps. Okay? So it, it, there, there are some half notes in between those whole, whole notes. But there's not very many of them. Now, in all of those notes, which are actually very few, millions upon millions upon millions of songs have been sung with a very limited number of notes. God is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because he not only created sounds, but he also created rhythms. He, he created variety in music. Why? Can I tell you? It was to help you praise him, worship him, but also to hear his voice. He gave it to you as a blessing to be used. Let, let me give you an example of this. I don't know about you, but have you ever had one of those days before where you just thought, God, I have got to hear from you. 
I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. And your mind, you're just frantic. You're having an Elisha moment. You are frantic. You are riled up. And you say, what do I do? One of the things that I almost always do is I find a quiet place and I turn on some instrumental worship music. I don't listen to Inya. Some of you don't even know who Inya is. How many knows who Inya is? Okay, okay. I don't, I don't do, I put on some instrumental worship music. Why? Because I want to hear from God. And I want to quiet myself in the presence of the Lord. And I want to have ears to hear. And I'm telling you, here's an example of it right here in Scripture where Elisha said, bring me a harpist. And the harpist came. He exhaled. And he said, I've heard from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. And he told them how to win the battle. I'm going to teach you something so important today. Number four, write this down. That worship heals your emotions and increases your faith. It's what worship, it's one of the things that worship does. Now remember, you were created to bring glory to God, that you exist for him. He does not exist for you. But I'm telling you that God is so creative, so powerful, so wonderful. He gave the gift of music and he gave the gift of praise and he gave the gift of worship. That it, when, when you're in his presence and you're worshiping him, I'm telling you, emotions are healed and your faith increases. Your emotions are healed and your faith increases. And I'm teaching you, everybody, how to, how to live a life of worship. I'm, I'm telling you that, that Sunday mornings is not the only time that I worship the Lord. I worship the Lord every single day. That, 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 and music is a part of that worship because God established it that way, and it's meaningful. Think about this, everybody. Some, some of your memories are attached to songs. I could play certain songs right now, and some of you are like, oh, I love that song. It reminds me of when. I remember I heard that song when. Oh, that was our favorite. That's the, that, on our wedding night, that's the song that me and my husband danced to. And you're like, oh, it's so wonderful. God created, God created you to enjoy music. He created music to be a blessing to your life. Did you know that? He did. He created you to enjoy music. It's, he's amazing, everybody. And he uses worship and music and praise to heal our emotions. And by the way, to increase our faith. Meaning as you start to worship the Lord, Lord, thank you for being here. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for your grace that you poured out upon my life, that you brought me out of darkness into your glorious light. I thank you, Lord, that you, you have strengthened me to be an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I thank you that you supply all of my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. All of a sudden, as I'm worshiping God, my faith is increasing. I'm increasing my faith because I'm not thinking about the world's badness. I'm thinking about my Father's goodness, and my faith increases. And then he heals me. He heals my emotions. Can I, can I teach you something else? you got a few more minutes here. I'm going to teach you anyway. Psalm 1611 says this. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. And in your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And that is a verse. I have heard about the... That about being in the presence of the Lord brings fullness of joy. I have heard that verse over the course of my entire life. I'm telling you, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. 
In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy in God's presence. And yet, we spend our days pursuing this and that and the other in order to experience joy. We, we, we pursue things in this life. If I just had this, I would be happy. If I could just own that, I would be happy. If I just had a bigger house, if I just had quieter kids. Yeah. And, and we seek, so we seek joy from all of these things. Can I tell you something about joy? Don't seek after joy. Don't do it. You need to put yourself, instead, put yourself in, in an environment in which joy is released and it's in the presence of God. You don't have to seek joy. That new car is going to be fine for about three months and the new car smell is going to go away and french fries are going to be in the floorboard, right? Because new things become old. And if you're living your life seeking joy from stuff or from people, I'm telling you, it is not the way to live life. Put yourself in the presence of God because that's where joy is found because that's where joy is released in God's presence. I'm telling you, everybody, joy is released in the presence of God. I want to show you this too in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, and this again, this has been on bumper stickers. and It's been on, on, on decorations throughout the house. And many of you have this verse memorized. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You wait upon the Lord. I, I was so excited about this a portion of scripture that, that we have a little staff powwow every Thursday in which we just go over everything on Sunday morning for the coming Sunday just to make sure all the, all, all, everything's covered, all the bases are covered. And, and I said, guys, I'm so excited about this. I, like, I, I've, I've looked at this verse and I've read this verse and I've had this verse memorized for decades. I mean, for decades, I've come back to this verse and it always kind of signified to me. And I asked my staff, I said, is this the same way you guys saw it? And we all said, yeah, it's kind of the same way I saw it. Where those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, I'm just waiting on God. I don't know where he's at, but I'm waiting on him. I don't know where he's at, but he's out there somewhere. I'm sure he's going to turn this around for my good. I don't know when. I don't know where he's at. I'm just waiting on him. I can't see him. I don't sense him. I don't, I don't feel him. I'm just waiting on him, and I know my, my strength is going to be renewed. Can I tell you what that, that word wait on the Lord means? Wait in the Hebrew. It's the word kavah, and it means, watch this, to gather together, to tarry, to linger, to gather together, to gather together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait on the Lord. I'm going to gather together. I'm going to gather together with the Lord. And I'm going to tarry there. I'm going to linger there. Tarry is a word we don't really use very much. But I'm going to linger there with the Lord. And when I do that, he's going to renew my strength. And I'm going to put myself in an environment in which joy is released. Because I'll be in the presence of the Lord. So I'm not waiting upon the Lord because he's out there somewhere. I'm waiting with the Lord. I've gathered with the Lord, and I'm going to linger here, and I'm going to worship him. 
and I'm going to praise him and my emotions are going to be healed. And my faith is going to increase. And my God is going to remind me of how big he is and how good he is. When was the last time that you just waited on the Lord, that you waited with the Lord, that you gathered together with the Lord and you said, here I am. One of the things that I do in prayer every morning is I always, I always begin with praise, always. And, and then I, well, let me just say, like, it's too much to go into right now, but I have, I have a template that I go through. And in that template of, of my time with my father is some waiting. I just rest in the Lord. I quiet myself and I just listen. Sometimes I, I hear from him. He speaks to me. The Bible says that the sheep know his voice and he speaks to us. And sometimes I, I don't hear him, but that doesn't mean he's not with me. And I just, sometimes I'm just still in the presence of the Lord and I'm not talking. I'm just waiting. I'm just listening. I'm just spending time with him. I'm, the Bible calls it meditating on God. And I'm telling you, those are times of renewal in my life. It's a time where at the end of it, I get up and I have a smile on my face. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with me. Thank you, Lord. Because he's so good. He pours his grace and he pours his power and he pours his presence and he pours his joy into my life. When I just spend time in worship and in praise and meditating upon his goodness and upon his word, he just shows up. And I'm, I'm teaching you how to live a life of praise and worship. Do you receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? I'm gonna ask you to stand up with me. I'm, I'm gonna speak a blessing over you today. I told you today was gonna be a day of, of encouragement. God doesn't exist for you, you exist for him. But at the same point, he is a very present help in times of trouble. At the same point, he'll speak to you. He'll give you joy and peace and he'll minister to you. He'll minister to you in a way that I can't. He'll minister to you in a way that your spouse can't, that nobody else can. Let, let me say it a different way. I have no power to heal what's broken inside of you. I don't, but he does. And when you wait upon the Lord, you'll renew. Your, your, your strength will be renewed. And you'll mount up on wings like eagles. You'll run, not be weary. You'll walk, not faint. Meaning this, when, when you wait upon the Lord, choose to wait upon the Lord, it guarantees something. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. He'll make sure of it. He'll strengthen you. He'll be with you. Your strength will be renewed, and you're going to make it. I promise you that. So let's learn to wait upon the Lord. Let's learn to spend time in his presence, not, not just corporately, but individually.
in your prayer time. If you don't have a prayer time every day, you need a prayer time every day. Spend time with the Lord every single day and your, your life will never be the same again. I promise you that. I'm gonna speak a blessing over you this morning from the word of God. I'm gonna ask you to open up your hands toward heaven just as symbolic of receiving this blessing. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you are welcome in our lives, in our homes, and of course in this place. Because of your infinite love and grace and mercy, you have called us out of darkness and into your glorious light. You have poured your grace upon us. With that in mind, Lord, we give you thanks. And I bless my church family with a spirit of revelation to know how wide and long and high and deep your love truly is. And I speak freedom over them today, freedom to love you, to worship you, and to experience the joy and peace that comes from your presence like they never have before. I declare over my new song family an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. May their tongues proclaim your greatness and their mouths be filled with praise in all things at all times. New song be healed in Jesus' name in the presence of our God. May freedom reign not only in this place, but in our lives. Accordingly, I break the stronghold of pride and release a spirit of humility among us all. May we live from this moment on for the sole purpose of bringing glory to the name of our Father in thought, in words, and in deeds. New song, I declare that you will be filled with gratitude and, and, and so much love for your Father that new and spontaneous songs will arise from the deepest parts of us that our hearts and minds will be so transformed by God's goodness and grace that it would be impossible to suppress our praise. Heavenly Father, I declare the hearts of praise and worship will be passed from one generation to the next until the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I thank you that you are raising up a generation of praise. Lord, I thank you that our children will be a people of praise, that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will be a people of praise. I thank you, Lord, that our children and grandchildren will grow into mighty men and women of praise and worship and will experience your presence and your power from this moment on. May it be in the name of Jesus Christ. New song, I bless you with a heart of praise and worship and thanksgiving in Jesus' mighty name. And if you receive that blessing, say a big amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.